You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. forgive their sin. If not, I pray, blot me out of your book, which you have written. Moses was standing as an intercessor for his people, for the people of Israel, because he knew how angry God was. When you hear him say that, you hear a sacrificial heart, a heart not wanting that anybody should perish, a heart willing to give up all he had. I'm not sure if we can relate to this heart or this prayer of Moses based on our level of dedication and our level of commitment. I'm not sure we can be there. As Christians, we are called to stand up for what God represents and not shy away from being bold with our faith in Jesus. In today's message, Pastor Dave will challenge you with this question. Are you willing to take a stand for Jesus against those who will insult His mighty name while being persecuted? Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 4 as he begins his message. No other name, no other way. Today we're going to continue our study in the book of Acts. We're going to be in Acts 4, and we're going to be in verses 5 through 12. Verses 5 through 12 in the book of Acts, Acts 4. If you will turn there, please. I will read these verses aloud. If you will read them silently, please. Acts 4, 5 through 12. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together in Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all, And to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I'm going to start out with a little fill-in-the-blank test. Fill-in-the-blanks. I would gladly give up my blank in order for blank to be saved. I'll repeat it. I would gladly give up my blank in order for blank to be saved. You might put in there, I would gladly give up my addiction to chocolate so that my son would be saved. I don't know what what you're going to put in there. Let me begin by giving you some stories. I love to tell stories. There was a tribal leader from the uh, back tribe of northern Sumatra in Indonesia. He tells the story of how his tribe came to know Christ. Years ago, a missionary couple had come to the village and they started to share the gospel. The tribe at the time was 100% Muslim. The tribal leaders captured the missionary tribe, they murdered them, and they cannibalized them. They ate them. 
Several years later, another missionary tribe came to the tribe again and wanted to share the gospel message. The only reason that the tribe listened to them this time is because they noticed that the message that they gave was exactly the same that the last couple had given. They listened and they believed. The entire tribe was saved and came to Christ. They were converted. Today, there are over 3 million Christians among the Baktak tribe in northern Sumatra. Pretty cool. Then there's a testimony of Sahil. He and his wife both grew up in Muslim homes in India. She came to Christ and then introduced Sahil to Christ. But as soon as their families discovered that they had become Christians, they were forced to flee the country at the risk of their lives. In the years that followed, they grew as a couple in Christ, and they grew in their desire to see that their family would come to Christ also. Slowly, they began to initiate renewed contact with the family members that they loved so much. And slowly, their family members started to respond. They eventually welcomed Sahil and his wife back to the community, and from all appearances, things were going well. One day, Sahil dropped his wife off for a meal at the table with her family. As the wife sat down at the table with her family and began to eat and drink, within moments, she was dead. Her parents had poisoned her. Fill in the blank. I would give up my blank so that blank could be saved. That's my question this morning. What are you willing to give up that others may know Christ? What are you willing to give up so that your family would know Christ? There's some really cool, there's two people in scriptures, actually three if you count Jesus, but there's two people in scriptures who give an example of these willing sacrificial hearts, these beautiful hearts that they would give up everything they had so that others might be saved. One of them is Moses. In the Old Testament, in Exodus 32, in verses 31 and 32, Moses is having this retort with God after the golden calf incident and after all that that Aaron had made. Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made them for themselves a God of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, if not, I pray, blot me out of your book which you have written. Moses was standing as an intercessor for his people, for the people of Israel, because he knew how angry God was. When you hear him say that, you hear a sacrificial heart a heart not wanting that anybody should perish, a heart willing to give up all he had. I'm not sure if we can relate to this heart or this prayer of Moses based on our level of dedication and our level of commitment. I'm not sure we can be there. But this was the same heart as Jesus had dying on the cross. He had this exact same heart. In 1 Peter 3.18, we read, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. And in 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The only other person in Scripture that shows this heart besides Jesus, besides Moses, was the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul had this heart for his own people. Listen to what he writes in the book of Romans. Listen to what he says, and listen to the sacrificial heart that Paul is is exhibiting here. In Romans 9, verse 3, For I wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. He's saying, if I could be accursed so that they could come in, I would do it. If I could be accursed so that the Jews, the whole nation of the Jewish people would come in to know Christ, I would give it up. How much a burden do we have for the lost? How much a burden do you have for the lost who are around you? 
God help us. We hardly have enough burden to tell people about Jesus Christ. We don't even have enough burden to share with them, much less be concerned with them. God, I, I wished that I would be accursed so that others may know Christ. Wow. I don't know if I can say that. I don't know if I've reached that level of commitment. Man, I want to. I want to get to that level of commitment. I desperately want to be there, but I don't know if I can. I mean, I have to be real with you because when I teach these words, these words speak to me too. They're speaking to my heart. I don't know if I can. This is the dilemma that's now facing the disciples in Acts 4. This is the kind of dilemma that they're now in. They face the possibility of death by acknowledging Jesus as the healer of this man and as the way to salvation, or they can go free by denying him, not being concerned about those who are lost. They can keep what they know and hold it on tight and keep it to themselves. I mean, why should we share it if it's going to cost us our lives? Why should we go about sharing this good news if it's going to cost us that much? You remember Peter and John have been arrested. In Acts 4, verse 3, it says, and they laid hands on them and put them in the custody until the next day, for it was already evening. These two disciples have been arrested for healing a lame man and for preaching the resurrection in Jesus' name. The religious leaders at the time did not agree with Peter's explanation. They didn't agree of how his explanation as to what happened to this lame guy. Instead, they had their own interpretation. And believe me, in those days, their interpretation was law. Their interpretation is what counted, not what you thought, it what is what they thought. So now Peter and John are brought before the Sanhedrin. Remember we said that the Sanhedrin is the ruling body of the Jews. It's consisted of two groups, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees believed in the afterlife. They believed in the resurrections. The Sadducees did not. When the Sadducees believed that there was no resurrection, there was no spiritual life, there was no spirituality, there were no angels, they were very close-minded. They believed in the letter of the law, whereas the Pharisees believed in the oral translation of law, the traditions, so to speak. But the Sadducees were the controlling body. They controlled this body because they had numbers. They were in the majority. They were the wealthy elite. And it also should be noted that most of the high priests at that time were Sadducees. The high priests and their families were all Sadducees, and they controlled the priesthood. In fact, in the opening scripture of today, we see the names of the Sadducees who were the family of the high priest. Can anybody say nepotism? And it came to pass on the next day that the rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together in Jerusalem. Now, as you look at this list of names, some of these names should be very familiar to you. A couple of them should be real familiar with them because 50 some odd days ago before this actually happened, some of these characters were involved in what? They were involved in the trial and the accusations against Jesus Christ. They were the same ones. They were the exact same people. In Luke 18, verse 13, we read that, and they led him, Jesus, away to Annas first. Annas is mentioned here. For he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest last year. So you see these two names. So these guys are familiar with this Jesus thing. They're familiar with this Jesus guy, and they know all too well. And when the last time they had to deal with this, they're probably busting their buttons because, you know what, we handled that pretty well. We took care of that guy. We took care of it pretty well. But they had two high priests that year. Why did they have two high priests? Well, Annas was recognized by the Jews as high priest. He was the one that the Jews recognized. However, 
His son-in-law, Caiaphas, was actually the Roman appointee to be the high priest. And this happened when Annas got less favorable with the Romans. And when the Romans found less favor with him, they decided to appoint somebody else. We don't know anything about Alexander and John except that they were family members. So he had this group of people. But the trial begins with this leading question found in verse 7. A very, very leading question. It was designed for self-incrimination. It was designed for self-incrimination. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Hence, here comes the disciples or the apostles' dilemma. This question was designed to elicit self-incrimination. If you did a sign or a wonder during those times in a name any other than Jehovah, it was a criminal act and it was subject to death. This was in their law. In Deuteronomy 13, verses 1 through 5, if there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder come to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or the dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet or dreamer of dreams shall be put to death. So the Sadducees, the men all gathered there together for this trial, couldn't deny that there was a sign and wonder done. I mean, here's this guy who'd been lame for 40 years, jumping around beside them. He was made whole. So clearly a sign and wonder had been done. And they're wondering, why, what name did you do this? Trying to catch them on this very passage right here. In what name did this healing take place? Peter had already explained to these men why it happened and how it happened. Remember that they were amazed that they couldn't believe it? They were all gathered on Solomon's porch. Peter told them how the healing took place, and he told them who was responsible. Remember back in Acts 3, verses 13 through 16? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just, and asked for a murder to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we were our witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Peter was clearly saying to the guy, it was by the faith in the name of Jesus Christ. It was his name. And this Jesus, he's saying, is the son of God. This Jesus is the Messiah. So guys, get off my back. It's the same God. I'm preaching in Jehovah's name. I'm preaching in the name of Jehovah. In fact, his name is Jesus in the Greek. In the Hebrew, it's Yeshua, which means Jehovah is salvation. I'm preaching in the same name, guys. Sanhedrin wanted to hear from themselves. Why do you think they wanted to hear from themselves? Well, they were looking for self-incriminating evidence, for one thing, and they wanted to hear it out of the mouth of Peter himself. But I think, personally, I think they saw Peter before. Remember, we saw Peter before in this same situation. Remember? Remember Peter following closely behind Jesus when he was arrested, following just a little bit of far away, and he's kind of sitting there, And all of a sudden, somebody says, aren't you a disciple? And Peter says, I am not. He said that in John 18, 17. And then later the same night, Peter is there, and he's standing there warming himself by the fire. And this one maiden comes up to him and says, surely you were with him. 
Peter again says, I am not, in John 18, 25. And then the third time, when they said, you were with him in the garden. And Peter, to demonstrate the fact that he was not with Jesus, cursed and swore. Matthew 26, 37. He then began to curse and swear and said, I don't know this man. So maybe the Sanhedrin knew about this. Maybe they said, you know what? This is the leader of this day. Maybe we can get him to buckle again. Maybe we can get him to kind of bend his knees again. You know, this might be a good place for us. Peter knows all too well what happens when you deny the Lord. Peter knows all too well the pain and the sorrow and the suffering that he went through. Because remember, it says after that, what happened? He went away and wept bitterly. Wept bitterly. Peter was not going to let this happen again. Peter was about to go against the law of his people, and he was going to declare that not only was Jesus responsible for this man's healing, but he was going to say later that there was salvation through no other name. There was no other way. And this, this is no less than heresy to the Jewish people, telling them that there's another way, and then telling them that that way is the only way. Peter rejected the traditions of the elders. He rejected the superstitions of the day. However, in reality, Peter was speaking truth. It was Jehovah. It was God who did this, as we said. Peter would speak loudly. He wasn't worried about the consequences. He was standing before them. He was speaking loudly because he's already seen the fruit of his labor. 5,000 people had been saved because of what he said the day of Pentecost and what he had said the day that this man was healed. Most of us will never be in this position of life and death where we have to determine, do we speak out for Jesus or do we die or speak out for Jesus and die? Or do we keep our mouth shut? But we still fail in our attempts. Why do we fail in our attempts to get the word of God out? Well, we don't want to be made fun of. We don't want to be ridiculed. We really don't want to be rejected. Because you know what? I don't like it when people don't like me. I want everybody to like me. And if they think I'm a Jesus freak, they'll think I'm weird. Well, they already think I'm weird, but they'll think I'm weirder. I don't like that when that happens. That bothers me. What made the difference? What made the difference 50 days later? 50 days later, Peter's not the same person anymore. Why? Verse 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and people of the elders of Israel, Peter was filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had made all the difference in the world in Peter's life. Peter didn't have to think about what he was going to say. Peter was going to rely on the Holy Spirit to do the speaking for him. He was told by Jesus Back in Mark 13, 11, Jesus said this to his disciples, when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given to you in that hour, speak that, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Man, does that take the pressure off of me? That really takes the pressure off of me when I come before somebody who is just dying for a fight about Jesus Christ, who's just looking to pick a scab on me about Jesus and get my dander up. Does that take all the pressure off of me? All I have to do is take a step in faith and say yes and start speaking. Jesus said the Holy Spirit's going to fill me and it's going to speak for me. I have that same feeling when I get up here on Sundays. I don't want to come up here on Sunday and tell you what I think. I want to come up here on Sunday and tell you what God thinks, what the Lord thinks. You don't want to know what I think. You don't want to have any of me. But the Holy Spirit gives Peter this boldness and this clarity. He gave... Peter, words to say to his accusers, words that would cut right to the heart. Don't you think when you're talking to someone face-to-face that the Holy Spirit knows exactly what that person needs to hear? Yes, 
Holy Spirit knows exactly what the person you're talking to needs to hear at that specific time in order to make that person think, wow, maybe I need this Jesus. Maybe I want more. I want, I want to know more about this. We have to rely on the Holy Spirit. Peter didn't question his life. He didn't care about his own life. He knew that the Lord was in control. He believed in Hebrews 13, 6, it says, we may say boldly, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You know, we get so upset with being ridiculed. We get so upset with not being liked because we're Jesus freaks. What can they do to you? That's all they can do. And Peter was saying, guess what, guys? Kill this body, and I'm with the Lord. I am face-to-face with the Lord Jesus. It's a win-win for me. It's a win-win, guys. What would you do in a position like this? What would you do in a time like this? Peter was willing to put his life on the line for people he didn't even know. He didn't know most of these people in the temple that day. He didn't know this lame man from anybody. But he's willing to put his life on the line. You know, we have trouble sharing gospel with our own families. I was on the phone yesterday. I was on the phone, no, Friday. I was on the phone with someone, and they asked me this question. How come it's easier to share the gospel with someone you don't know than it is with your own family? You ever had that feeling? It's so much easier to see somebody. You know, I used to get that feeling when I went to the rescue mission. When I went over to the rescue mission, it was easy because these people were anonymous. You know, they were there, and I could share the gospel message with them. But when I got around my own family, it's like, these people know who I am. They remember when I was this, when I was that. They know me. They know exactly what's happening in my life. How am I going to share the gospel with them? You know, Jesus clearly said in Matthew 13, 57, he said, So they were offended at him, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and his own house. We often have the wrong ideas of what it means to be spiritual. We have the wrong ideas of what it means to be spiritual. We think that a spiritual person is much more strange than normal. Much more strange. If they're spiritual, they've got to be strange. There's got to be something different about them. Therefore, those who are closest to truly spiritual people see just how normal they really are, and they don't think they're spiritual because they're too normal. Hang around me for a while. You'll think, this guy's a pastor? Holy mackerel. What did Paul say? Things I want to do, I can't do. The things I don't want to do, I do all the time. Who can save me? Oh, blessed be the Jesus Christ, the righteous. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Where would I be without him? We need to rely on the Holy Spirit. We need to be just like Peter. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit. We need to let the Holy Spirit be our words when we share the gospel. We need to be confident that he's going to speak when we want to speak. When God has prompted you to say something to somebody and you speak, what a glorious day it'll be when you open your mouth and that person is changed by the word of God. Peter doesn't play around with this question. Peter looks them right in the eye and he answers this and he says to them, if we this day are judged for a good deed done for a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man stands whole before you. I love this about Peter for two reasons. Number one, he's not shy about shouting the gospel message, and he's not taking any credit. He's not taking any credit. Look what the Lord did through me. Look how the Lord used me. No, look what the Lord did. It was the Lord who did it all along. It was the Lord, and Peter doesn't draw attention to himself. He draws attention to the Lord. You are Thank you for joining us here today on A Sure Hope. In this series, Pastor Dave has been teaching through the book of Acts. This book follows the journeys of many disciples, but especially of the Apostle Paul. He took several missionary trips to tell others about Jesus, and he acquired many companions along the way. 
Wouldn't it be interesting to be a traveling missionary? He met many people who readily accepted the message he was bringing. In other cities, his life was threatened and he was pushed out as people didn't want to hear about the way. But being a Christian isn't meant to just be an easy road. As Paul's life displayed, you go into it knowing that there will be obstacles that you face. Is it worth it, you might ask? Of course it is. The prize that you'll be rewarded is far more precious than the things of this world. Staying true to Jesus, who gave up everything for you, is the best way you can live your life for Him. We're so glad we got to spend time with you today. A Sure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. If you're in the area, we'd love to see you on Sunday mornings. Check out AsureHopeRadio.com for service times and directions. Once again, that's AsureHopeRadio.com. And don't worry if you can't make it in person. On the website, you'll notice links to our live stream via Facebook and YouTube. All of these can be accessed through AsureHopeRadio.com. Don't forget to come back next time as Pastor Dave continues to go through the book of Acts again, right here on Assure Hope.